Good day, everyone. Good day. This is your man, Jason Miles, with the Real Estate 360 Podcast. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, we're going to talk a lot about financing and the state of real estate today and preparing, actually, for what is to come with real estate. And we're going to be speaking with one of our, our lenders, one of our direct lenders that we've worked with now for several years. We're going to speak with uh, Sarab Shah with Instaland, right? With Instaland. So get your pen, get your paper, whatever it is you need to take notes with, because we're coming right back after this. Okay, thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you for coming back. Welcome, welcome back to the Real Estate 360 Show. Again, my name is Jason Miles, and I want to take this opportunity right now to introduce Sarab Shaw with Instaland. Hey, how you doing, Sarab? I'm good, Jason. Thanks for having me over. How's it going? <laughs> hey, man, I can't complain. There wouldn't be anyone who would want to hear it anyway. You know, we just keep it going. It works. Uh, so we just keep going from there, man. I, um, I have no complaints, man. Thank you for uh, coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me over. So listen, guys, and Sharab, you know, go ahead and interject when you want to, or if you feel like you need to, you know, Sharab has been involved in real estate and finance for about 10 years. He's done it on a couple continents as well. You know, he's done it here. He's done it in uh, South Asia. He's done it, you know, probably on a, on a level that we haven't really spoken with a lot of people on this show about as it relates to the financing world. He's been involved with Instaland for, he's a founder. So they've been in business for approximately four years now. He's a founder of Instaland. And one of the things that I found very interesting, and we'll probably dive a little bit into that as we go, is that they have built not just a lending company, but they've kind of merged technology into that to ease, kind of ease the the way of doing business for not just them, but for you as the as the uh, uh, as the customer. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've definitely taken advantage of technology, integrated that with our um, systems and processes to make the process uh, as frictionless and speed it up uh, so that we truly can be your uh, lending partners in every deal that you want us to fund. Absolutely. And I, I can tell you that one of the things I actually liked about how, how I've witnessed you guys kind of grow and add different things in terms of products to your portfolio I mean, you've always had a pretty unique way of getting things done as it relates to, you know, just your internal processes, you know, uh, and I know a lot of people won't have an opportunity, you know, at least right now to get a real grasp on what that looks and feels like, but how you deal with your investors, how you raise the capital, how you deal with uh, the back-end investor, the guys that are buying houses like us is really kind of, I mean... On, on the front side, well, I guess you say on the back side, right? On your front side, but on our back side, you know, it's a very unique process that you guys that you guys have developed and, and how you implement things from the way you underwrite deals to the way that 
I mean, just everything about it was very unique compared to a lot of what we're used to. I know what I'm used to. I'm, I've been involved in real estate now for about 20 years, and we worked with a lot of local real estate investors, especially in the very beginning, or I should say lenders, especially in the very beginning. And it wasn't until, you know, after uh, the crash, after the economic uh, change, the thing that changed the world as we know it in the financial markets. It wasn't until then that we really started to look at lending outside of our backyard, if you will. And we found that there was such great opportunity in working with firms such as yours that looked at lending from a completely different perspective. Um, yeah, no, thanks for saying that, Jason. I mean, uh, we truly are an asset-based lender. So we want to make sure we focus underwriting the asset. Um, and along with that, uh, you know, uh, given the broad spectrum of products that we offer from short term to long term, you know, uh, it's important to make sure uh, that, you know, the systems and processes are enabled. Um, what I mean by that is uh, today, Instaland is a nationwide direct lender for your short-term loans such as fix and flips, fix to rent, um, or any other component where you have some sort of rehab to complete. Um, and we also have the long-term patient capital, uh, which is a 30-year loan for turnkey assets, either for acquisitions or cash-out refinances. Um, we are also financing ground-up new construction projects, and we're doing this across uh, single-family homes, multifamily homes as well as mixed use properties. Uh, our minimum loan size is 50,000 and our maximum loan size is 50 million. So that's really a broad spectrum, mm. um, and, you know, to accommodate uh, all different types of, uh, uh, all different types of loan products, loan sizes under one umbrella is where we really feel integrating with technology uh, has helped us, you know, have a, uh, have, have a leg up in terms of uh, where our competitive landscape is. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned that there were, you know, you're doing the re rehab to permanent financing. And we'll, we'll get into the other stuff here in a second. I want to kind of dive into that one because that is such a, a solid piece that not every lender offers. You know, there are, you know, there was a handful of lenders that offered that. Um, you know, five or six years ago, and now, you know, you've thrown your hat into the ring. I was explaining to a lot of our listeners, as well as a lot of the people that we coach in our coaching program, how important it is to align yourself with a lender one time, so you don't have to go through that lending process two times on each deal. And especially for those uh, investors that are building a portfolio, and they can't go to traditional banks because, you know, after, you know, four or five, sometimes maybe six deals, they cut you off. You know, they, they don't want to give you any more single family loans. They just, they don't want to do it. They're not, they're not built for it. It's not something that they're really ready for. And, you know, people get kind of stuck. Now, the one problem that I have when I'm explaining this, especially to newer investors, so maybe you can weigh in on this, is that, yes, your traditional bank might give you a three and a quarter percent interest rate, 
but you're going to be stuck, you know, if you plan on, again, building a portfolio after, let's just call it five properties with, you know, your traditional conventional loan, you're going to be stuck and you're not going to get that super great interest rate on that sixth or seventh or eighth deal. But as I explain it, it's just the cost of doing business. It's going to cost a little bit more with InstaLend or really any other company that offers that, depending on a number of different factors, right? It's going to be uh, your credit. It's going to be your experience. It's going to be all kinds of different things. But a lot of people feel, and when I say a lot of people, I mean new investors, newbies, as we like to call them. They feel that paying that additional one or one and a half or two percent is is too costly for them. And and I say, hey, listen, you won't you won't get the deal if you don't do it. You know, do you run into that? And when you do, how do you guys explain it to you know to the the the, uh, the customer? No, you're spot on, Jason. Uh, especially this industry, which you know, which is uh, ever so evolving and becoming mainstream now. Uh, there's a lot of education content that has to go out, and uh, one of the basic differences between your conventional source of capital, which is your banks, credit unions, as compared to your private pool of capital, which is where Instillent comes in, is the speed in execution, mm. underwriting, closing. Right? Um, today we are a no doc lender. Um, so we don't request you for your tax returns or your bank statements or your pay stops. Uh, we simply want to underwrite the asset, and which is why we are an asset-based lender. So we have the ability to close within three to four weeks as compared to a few months, which would be your conventional route of uh, getting financing. Mm-hmm. And the most important part here uh, for any investor, a newbie investor or probably a seasoned investor, and probably they know this already, is you make your money on the buy in real estate to a large extent. And those good assets are not going to wait around for a couple of months. So if you put an offer out there, uh, your contract probably has 30 to 45 days to close. So you want to partner with a lending company that can meet that closing timeline. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because um, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you know, in, yeah. in the world that, that we work in, as you know, because when we give you a call, we're like, how fast can you close? How fast can you close? I mean, that's, that's that's what you guys are hearing consistently, uh, because when you when a lot of these people are going through, and again, I'm speaking about the the newer investors, people that are just getting involved in it, uh, and and I know how difficult that can be having worked with so many new folks because they'll hear from whatever educational platform they're learning from. Oh, we want to, you know, we want to fast closing. We, you know, they're promising people they can close them in seven to 10 days. And as I explain it to them, I say, Hey, listen, that, that's, that's fine and dandy if you have private money set up, but it's not going to be possible under normal lending circumstances to get a deal done in that time frame. I mean, just to get an appraisal right now is, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it takes weeks to get an appraisal right now. So, yeah, for sure. But, but from guru to guru, they're going to say, "Hey, we can close in seven to ten days." And these people are making these promises that they can't deliver on, and then their contracts are kind of tied into that time frame. And I, I don't really know how to explain it to people other than just don't do it. Right? Just give yourself thirty days, and then get to work right away. In fact. 
align yourself with the lender before you have the property so you can be ready to go once you do have the property. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's our uh, that's that's really where we step in, especially with new investors, uh, because most new investors would need a, a proof of funds or a pre-approval letter mm-hmm. to put something under contract. So uh, our engagement right at that proof of funds or pre-approval letter really handholds them along the whole process to make sure that not only do we approve you, but, you know, we do talk to the seller's agent. We do explain to them that, you know, this is this is uh, the number of days we're going to take to close uh, this uh, in terms of the process. What are the contingencies, whether it's an appraisal contingency or a mortgage contingency? Um, so there's a lot of behind the scenes work that, you know, we at Instalent do, which a lot of the time doesn't even come to the forefront of uh, investors uh, because they wouldn't know if a seller's agent is calling my team and, you know, making sure that uh, all these contingencies are built into the contract correctly. We have the right number of days to close. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, coming right at the ground level from a proof of funds to a pre-approval letter uh, really aligns you with the lender. Uh, you know, you establish those synergies up front and the sort of partnership is already established right from day one. Absolutely. And another uh, another aspect of that that I wanted to get some information on you uh, about is, are you familiar by chance with the what they call the Burr strategy? It's the buy you know, you know, that strategy now, buy rent. exactly. Buy rehab rent. Yeah. Buy rehab, rent, refi, repeat, you know, and yeah. then, you know, just keep washing those dishes. Right now that's a, an extremely popular strategy amongst people that are building real estate portfolios. Very, very popular. Uh, as I tell people, listen, it's easy. It's an easy thing to do. If, if the planets align correctly, meaning, Uh, You need to have some experience because timing is so important in that. And you need to have a lender that works within those parameters as well. Meaning a lender that's going to give you that cash out so that you can, you know, reinvest that cash back into property number two, three, four, five, and six. Does InstaLend offer uh, the ability to do that? So from the time the person gets the approval on this, uh, this rehab, you get the rehab loan and they've already, they say to you, look, we want to get the refinance. Uh, we should be done with this in, you know, whatever, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, depends on the scope of work. And then we're going to rent that thing out. We want to refinance it at, let's just call it 80% or whatever the case, 75 or 80%. So we get that cash back and go buy number two. Does InstaLend offer that kind of a product for the investor as well? Yes, very much. Uh, in fact, a lot of the new deals that we've seen in the recent few months has uh, been with this strategy where investors have bought properties, fixed them up, brought in tenants to stabilize, and then cashed out. Um, so we we do both, uh, you know, the first leg of financing for acquisition and rehab. And we'll also do the takeout, which is your cash out refi mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to, to give you a 30 year fixed rate mortgage loan. So yeah, we, we do offer both short-term as well as long-term financing. And uh, our goal is to make sure that, you know, we work with every investor through the life cycle of every project, uh, which means right from acquisition to rehab to stabilization and cash out refires. Okay. So you'd mentioned that that was a 30-year fixed. Is that a 30-year fixed with a 10-year balloon or something like that? So we have different, uh, we have different pricing structures. We have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. 
which is fully amortizing. Uh, then we have a 30-year term with different uh, hybrid pricing options, such as a 5-1 arm, 7-1 arm, 10-1 arm. And we also have a 30-year term with interest-only options, which could be a 5-1 arm IO, 7-1 arm IO, or 10-1 arm IO. And IO means interest-only. Very good. Um, thank you. Yeah, so we're we're offering all potential pricing structures just to make sure that uh, you know the debt service on properties is supported and investors can cash out with maximum leverage. You know, uh, for me, for my money, uh, you know, I, I love it. You know, um, you know, working with you, uh, working with your partner Sohan, I've worked with them with you guys now for uh, probably since the very very beginning, right? I mean, I might have missed the first couple of months, but but probably since the very beginning. And I'm really excited to, to see what's next um, as uh, our businesses evolve going through this next economic cycle, right? Which, you know, we, we know it's afoot, but we have not entered it yet. But before we get into that, my, my question to you is this. In the economy that we're in today, where we're watching prices go up so high, you know, and it seems like it's just a never ending escalation and, and people are loving the appreciation that's being, you know, accumulated on their properties. But as a wholesaler or someone that's looking to buy properties that, you know, you know, you know, we're in Georgia, so we get deals that are a little bit different than you get in New York or New Jersey or Miami or, or all over California for that matter. You know, we, we always look for deals that we can get at 60, 65, or 70 cents on the dollar all in. Now, even here, those numbers, you know, those kinds of numbers are kind of disappearing, which requires the investor to put more of their own capital into these deals, right? Yep. And from a lender's perspective, knowing, you know, knowing that there's going to be something that comes up in the near future, a correction, to some extent, whatever a person believes, we know there are always market corrections. You know, what are you doing today to prepare yourself as a lender for that? And I know this isn't necessarily speaking to the consumer right now, but just for those those listeners that we have, because we have people that are private lenders, we've got other lenders that listen to the show, and and they are constantly talking to people about, you know, how, how they need to prepare for this thing. And from our perspective, we're we're seeing lenders do all sorts of different things from just you know kind of kind of getting very very conservative appraisals to asking for more money down to all, all kind of different things today because they're saying hey listen we know that there's appreciation we know that it's forecasted to appreciate depending on what you're reading you know it's going to appreciate in 2022 by anywhere from 2% if you're looking at core logic data, all the way up to 13.6% if you're paying attention to Zillow. And then Fannie and Freddie are, you know, somewhere in the middle at 7, 8%. But of course we know there's no guarantee with that, especially with inflation being as it is. At some point, interest rates are gonna go up. And when interest rates, when the Fed starts to increase those rates, we'll see demand slowly decrease for all kinds of things. And, and in my opinion, that'll be the beginning of that correction cycle. But how are you preparing for that correction cycle now? And what do, what do you anticipate your company doing from a lending perspective once we're inside that cycle? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And there are many different ways one can answer that, right? Uh, because it's so broad-ended. Uh, yeah. There is a macroeconomic uh, event and there are micro events which happen on the ground. So uh, just from a macro perspective, if you look at the, uh, the housing inventory uh, in the US, uh, there was a maximum throughput of new construction that came from 2000 to 2006. Mm-hmm. And it's that same amount of inventory which has been traded, exchanged hands, bought and sold ever since after. So we've not really seen new housing stock come through uh, and which is why we still have a, a housing inventory shortage. So while there's a real need and a demand for housing stock uh, for inventory, uh, we have to make sure that you know the supply matches up. Uh, so given the mismatch, we do anticipate that you know uh, prices will continue to stay healthy. Uh, we will definitely see some correction and that correction can come through in the the escalation in the property prices that we saw in the last uh, couple of months right that um uh, 10% 15% mm-hmm. uh, escalation that you know most uh, most investors saw properties uh, go through may probably be a little more rationalized um but uh, from a perspective of whether there's going to be a crisis whether there's going to be a correction where you know lenders are going to start wondering and start looking in inwards i i don't really think that's the case because you know what 2008 crisis really taught us was not to get over levered mm-hmm. um, so no no lender today is uh out sorry let me take a step back not no lender but most lenders today <laughs> want to make sure that you're capped at 75 LTV, so you still have 25 percent equity which gives you a cushion to absorb any sort of price correction uh, so from a lender's perspective the principal position is still protected um, when you're looking at fix and flip loans, right, uh, the rehab is funded through draws. Uh, what that essentially translates in terms of numbers is that, you know, the investor puts in the work, finishes the work, and then the lender reimburses you. So every time an investor finishes some sort of work in the property, you're building the equity up. And then once you reimburse for that equity, does your debt position go up? So this keeps the right debt to equity mix and ratios to make sure that your position is always protected. And there's enough equity built into the project. So I think, uh, you know, uh, with these different uh, things in place, um, you know, most lenders uh, should be in a good place to handle any sort of correction. Uh, of course, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see a lot of change in asset class. Uh, you know, we started off the year coming out of COVID with a lot of fix and flip. Uh, but given, you know, the moratoriums, uh, the foreclosure on foreclosures, on evictions, uh, we haven't really seen a lot of inventory come through. And which is when we saw that, you know, the market is seeing a lot of refinances today more than what it would be back in the day, right? Yeah. Because it's the same asset class, uh, you know, property prices appreciating, there's additional equity being built in and most investors want to cash out. Uh, so for all you know, when you see sort of any sort of cooling off, uh, you'll have more investors come to the forefront to buy properties uh, and then fix them up for a higher appreciation. That's right. And one of the things that I noticed uh, from from a macrocosmic perspective that's different today than you know prior to 2008 is that the big banks specifically the big five but you know there's probably 10 that actually matter right uh the big banks are way more solvent today than they were back then they were so over leveraged so when there was that correction you know it was it was quite significant because there was no liquidity and what i pay attention to now is you know the solvency of these lending institutions, of these banks, 
and how they're lending. We, we saw Wells Fargo, for instance, uh, earlier this year, try to, you know, cut people's lines of credit off so they could make sure that they were, because we know, we know that Wells Fargo is as conservative as they feel to the general public for the big boys. They're, they're not really that conservative. They're kind of liberal with the distribution of wealth. You know, we have we have a local lender here that has a huge, you know, line of credit with them. Just I mean, it's he's borrowing money really, really affordably, tens of millions of dollars. And and he lends it out. He's a, he's the guy you don't want to go to, though. Right. He's he's the guy that's still charging, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 percent interest. You know, he's the guy you go to when everyone else said no. So he's probably, you know, he's probably paying, you know, three or four percent on that money, and he's getting, he's 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 making good money, but, you know, Wells Fargo had to cut that off, or at least they attempted to cut those lines of credit, and I have to believe they did that in an effort to maintain liquidity, because they must have been reaching some kind of threshold. Of course, I'm only speculating. I can only imagine that to be the case because no one else was doing that. Uh, but, you know, I think that if we do see a market correction or when we do, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, when we do see that, I, I don't think that we're going to see things that are going to be above probably 10% across the board in terms of a correction. Because if I, if I heard you correctly, you're kind of anticipating more of a plateau than a, than a decrease in value over time. Is that correct? Absolutely. And also one thing to keep in mind is I don't think we're, we're, you know, gunning for a nationwide correction. Uh, there are many micro markets where there's real demand, uh, you know, a lot of relocation. I mean, mm. certain pockets where there are new industries being set up, which has created a real demand for housing. Yeah. Uh, you know, with COVID, there is a dislocation of, uh, you know, people coming out of cities to going out of more suburban areas. Um, so there is a real demand, which has, uh, you know, which has uh, been the underlying factor for any increase in uh, real estate values. And we're talking about uh, specifically from uh, in context of lending here, we're talking about investments, uh, you know, for non-owner occupied properties as compared to the crisis in 2008, which was a mortgage crisis. Uh, so th those are two separate uh, events and completely different products. Right. That's cool. Yeah, I agree. So I thank you for that. I mean, I, I, we got really deep into that single family stuff and I, and I know that that's important. That's a bulk of our business uh, for our clients. And I guarantee you that, you know, we'll be bringing you a ton more stuff as we enter into uh, 22 and beyond. Now, my next series of questions is going to go more towards your commercial side. Uh, it'll be specifically about your multifamily stuff, right? So on, on the multifamily side, because as, as you know, we've seen uh, just an increased demand. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of things coming out of COVID as it relates to multifamily. You know, we've seen the big, big boys in terms of the big operators just snatching things up. Down here in the Southeast, we've seen companies uh, uh, coming from you know, the Northeast as well as the West, because California's gotten way too expensive. New York's gotten expensive. Everybody's doing this mass exodus from both of those places right now. 
So they're buying in Texas, they're buying in Georgia, they're buying in Florida, they're buying in the Carolinas, multifamily in particular, to position themselves. And I, in this market, am watching, I'm watching buildings that we could have picked up four years ago, three, four, well, I'd say four years ago, in some of the worst parts of the neighborhood. Not, I, I, I wouldn't personally want them, but they're coming in and they're picking them up for 60, 65,000 a door and they still need to be renovated. We wouldn't have paid any more than $25,000 a door four years ago. And the numbers in the metropolitan area have gone berserk. I mean, just absolutely bananas. And, and that's been, you know, kind of across the board as it relates to the Southeast. But what I've been noticing is that there has been a surge in the secondary markets, you know, areas that are 45 minutes to maybe an hour and a half outside of the metropolitan areas. Do you look at those secondary markets as well? Because I know a lot of lenders don't. And if you do, is your valuation based on the same markers as they would be inside uh, of a metropolitan area? Yep. So we look at both secondary as well as tertiary. And the markers are the same as your primary markets in terms of underlying valuation and underwriting. And you're spot on. Uh, you know, there has been a shift. There's a big wave in what we're seeing in multifamily investing. Uh, and there are many driving factors for it. One is, you know, uh, stabilization and cash flow. But the second thing is, how do you really solve for housing crisis, right? I mean, mm. it's not really possible to put down a single family home on every mm. piece of land you find and solve <laughs> for it. So you have to go vertical. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, multifamily is something that we've been pretty active with, both, again, on uh, the acquisition and rehabs, but also on uh, the cash out uh, refinances. Okay, that's good. So the terms are going to be similar because that was my next question. The terms are going to be similar in the multifamily space as the single family space as in terms of acquisition, you know, um, you know, looking at these properties, because there's a ton of them and there's, there's, there's a huge thing going on right now with, you know, dilapidated, dilapidated apartment buildings being refurbished and put back on the market to stabilize them for, you know, any number of months. Now, the old way to do it is, you know, you'd find this thing that needs to be renovated. You would buy it, you would fix it up, you would stabilize it over, let's say a three-year period. So you've got that trailing 36 months for, for uh, the person you're gonna sell it to because they generally wanna get agency debt on those things. And most of the time, agencies, you know, the agency debt, that's your Fannie and your Freddie for, for you guys that are listening. They wanna see that trailing 36 months, generally speaking. But when we're looking at the market now, repositions are going at 12 months. I've seen a couple go at nine months of stabilization, 18 months of stabilization. And the, you know, Fannie and Freddie are actually loaning money on these deals today. Whereas five years ago, that's not something I saw much of at all. You know, what, do, what is your take on, on that? Is it purely a demand thing and it's forcing the lenders to kind of do things different? Or is it a, a little bit of that coupled with competition from companies like yours? Yeah, it's a mix of both. And uh, to be completely honest, I think it's the institutional capital which has entered this space. Uh, you know, uh, let me remind your listeners that real estate is the only tangible asset class which can be collateralized 
but at the same time gives you the highest yield as compared to any other fixed income product. Mm. So when you know you have a high yield product which you can collateralize and also securitize, uh, you know, it becomes really attractive. Um, and it was, again, not a question of if, but it was a question of when institutional capital would, you know, round up and look at this asset class. So I think it's it's just timing that came together for agency and non-agency to, you know, look at this asset class as something which could be more tradable. And uh, we've seen, uh, uh, you know, that's where we've seen a lot of uh, interest in investing both on uh, the acquisitions and fix-ups as well as, you know, like you said, after stabilization to do the takeout financing uh, for uh, stabilized cash flow producing multifamily units. Yeah. And it's just a, a really interesting uh, way to see things kind of kind of take off in this market because dealing with the people that are focused on the single family market uh, all around the country, you know, we're, we're talking to people on a daily basis that are just complaining, constantly complaining about not being able to find deals the right way and or, or the way they used to. And, you know, my conversation with them is always the same. It always has been the same. You have to adapt. You have to adapt. If it costs you a little more, it costs you a little more, whatever the case, you know, you or or just don't do as many deals. Just do the ones that make sense for you. And yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you don't get 10, 15 deals a month like you might be used to doing. You know, we've got people that we've dealt with that were doing literally 200 flips a year, you know, and they've got everything lined up and their cash on cash returns were, you know, 80%, 100%, sometimes even 120%, but just cash on cash returns, right? Which is great when you're turning that kind of volume. But again, we, we've seen a lot of the lenders say, okay, okay, it's worth four hundred thousand. We'll do three eighty, right? We'll 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 end up to three eighty on this deal. And instead of ten percent down, we want twenty percent down because you know we on the acquisition aspect of it because you know we want to make sure that we're in a good place if something goes wrong. But those are the lenders that are also not doing the the cash out on the back end. They're not offering that particular aspect of that product. But what it did was it took people that like the people that I'm speaking of that were doing 200 flips a year, you know, now they're doing, you know, less than half of that. And they're doing that just to keep their people working, right? Not only do, I mean, they're still making money. You know, it's not like they're not making money. They're definitely making money, especially when they go right back to refinance, but it just cost them twice the amount of money to get in. It also shook a lot of new investors out and and those people that were kind of sucking the equity out of deals, all that daisy chain stuff. It kind of it just kind of threw them out of there because hey, listen, you know, if the property's worth 225,000 and it needs 50,000 in work and you want to sell it to me for 160,000, I don't want that deal, right? Because by that time, you know, the person might be selling it at 120. And they, they filled up this daisy chain, but they're from what, again, from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing these, and I hesitate to call them wholesalers. I call them traders, right? They're, they're trading. They're like day traders. You know, they're, they want to get some, they want to get this asset and try to get as much as they can for it. And, but there's four or five or six 
traders on one deal, you know, that's not real estate investing. That's, that's, that's day trading. Am, am I right or am I wrong? I mean, yeah, you're pretty much right in terms of <laughs> how you laid it out. <laughs> you know, so, but I, I, I talk to these folks about list about going straight to the pond, you know, go to the water, go to, you know, where these houses are, invest in, and an education for marketing if you want to get these deals so that you can make the money that you want to make. And yeah, you might not make a ton of them because of course, when we're buying these properties, you know, we're buying them from people that are, that have problems, right? They have a, a problem that they need to, you know, to fix, you know, and that's, they have to sell this property real quick for one reason or another with escalating values. They have more options today, right? which means they can get more money because they're investors. There are investors out there that are willing to pay more money because they've got a little bit of a deeper pocket. I say all this to say when someone is coming to you and, and well, I'll, I'll go, I'll go. It's, it's really for both. It's really for multi and, and single family. When someone's coming to you and you're, you're going to go, I know you guys are going to go off the appraisal. I know that you're not going to cut the appraisal short. I already know that we've already had that discussion, you know, but are you saying to the investor, okay, listen, we want on the acquisition, you know, we know that we normally want 10%, but we need 20% down right now. And that's understandable if you do, but if you don't, or if there's some times that you do, when do you want that 20% as opposed to that 10% on the acquisition? Uh, so for any, anything up to one to four units, uh, the max leverage we offer is 90% purchase, 100% of the rehab. So you're bringing 10% down subject to uh, good credit, qualified experience. Um, and on the multifamily, which is five units or more, is where our max leverage is 80% of purchase and 100% of CapEx, uh, which is your rehab. So you're bringing 20% down uh, on five plus units. Again, subject to good credit and verified qualified experience. And see, I, I think that's great. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's not one of those programs where people are going to say, they're going to, you know, flood you and say, oh, this is great. It's perfect. Let's get it while it's hot, right? But one thing I like about you guys is that you're steady, you know, you're steady and you're constantly adding new products for your customers. You know, that is, I think you, you don't just have a business. What you're creating is a brand. You have multiple products that your current consumers can use on any different level, no matter where they are, no matter what their investment strategy is, you've created products that fit your customer as they grow. Yep. And, and there aren't a lot of companies that are doing that. There aren't a lot of, and I, and I use the, I use that term brand in a very specific way, because to me, a brand is something that people come back to, right? A company is something they, they come, they buy a thing one time, they use it one time and they're out, they're, they're done. They either like it or they didn't, but generally they're not going to come back. But what you're creating is a brand and you're allowing the people that your customers to grow with you or for, for them, you know, to say, Hey, listen, we've got other opportunities. Hey, we want to build a, 
a rental portfolio and then they learn quickly that they don't like being a landlord and they say, okay, we're going to start looking at multifamily. And then you have that available to them as well. It's just, it goes from one thing to another. It goes from the wholesaler saying, hey, I've got a buyer, you know, let's do business with them and they bring them to you. And then that buyer says, hey, I just want to fix and flip. And then they do that. And then they say, you know what? I need to have some kind of passive income coming in because I'm getting older or it's too much to do it. So then they're, then they're uh, uh, doing their renovations. They're still acquiring the properties the same way, but they're doing their renovations. Maybe they keep one out of every five for their portfolio. And after 10 or 15 properties with you guys, they say, look, we're going to sell these and get into multifamily or, or, or commercial or, or, or whatever the case. You have the products available for them to grow with you, which I find uh, uh, very attractive as it relates to developing and maintaining lending relationships as you grow your business. Because a lot of people don't do that. They just hop around from lender to lender to lender to lender. Yeah, no, I mean, we're looking to be a long-term partner, uh, you know, with all our investors. Uh, and we're, you know, what we're really interested in is, you know, enabling your success because eventually if you're successful, we will be successful. Hmm. And uh, to capture the lifetime value of all our customers. Um, so the lifetime value really is the life cycle of every asset and every different asset class you work with right from acquisition to rehab to cash out. Um, so yeah, that's worked well for us. Uh, you know, it's, we've been fortunate to, uh, have, you know, our ears close to the ground and listen to what our customers have to say, uh, because, uh, to be completely candid, every time we launch a new product, uh, more or less it's, it's the feedback that we've received from our customers as to what they need, you know, as the market shifts, as, uh, um, you know, as, as everything changes, uh, on the ground. The only way the feedback comes back to us is when we talk to our customers and that's when we really craft a new product uh, to cater to that requirement. Yeah, man, I, I'm excited uh, to work with you and we're going to have to have some conversations about a few other things, uh, you know, later on, but I want to thank you, man. Thank you so much for, for being here today. And for those that are listening, uh, uh, so Rob's information is going to be listed in the description here. So it's going to be, but just so you can hear it, it's instalend.com, I-N-S-T-A-L-E-N-D.com. And so, uh, so Rob has instructed me to also give you his email address, which I won't do here, but I will put it in the description. So if you guys want to contact uh, Sarab and Instaland for lending opportunities, just go to the description here and it'll be there and you can reach out to them there. So, so Rob, thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate this, man. This is solid information. It's actionable information. And you guys just got to look kind of, kind of behind the curtain as to what a current active lender in every market USA is doing right now. So you can't tell me you can't find affordable money. You can't tell me that you can't find takeout funds because we just had a conversation about it, a long one too. So thank you, man. I really, really appreciate it. And for you guys, Real Estate 360 listeners, as always, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. If you are uh, listening to this on any, whatever podcast, and you want to see some of the stuff that we're talking about, you can go right over to the YouTube channel, which is the Jason O. Miles Real Estate Network. Uh, pull off all the information, subscribe, listen to what we have, but hey, 
We've got it all here for you. Thank you guys so much and have a great rest of the day. Peace.